Welcome to Engaging Parenting, our Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. And we're here to talk specifically about the glorious and terrifying work of parenting teens in our culture, why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential, and discussing practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Cliff, here to talk with you about this. We are in technology slash social media part Mm. And that's like a double metaphor because we are in social media and technology as you're listening to this. Wow. Inception. But we're also talking about it. Inception. Well, if you guys listened to our last episode, you know, we talked a lot about social media and kind of the the implications of what that means to our teenagers. And uh, we wanted to answer some of these questions about what what comes up when we're talking about social media. So in this podcast, um, we're, we're going to try to answer this idea of how, how do we foster healthy dialogue uh, with our teenagers about how they feel about themselves and how they believe who they are through social media. Yeah. And then, of course, that always leads to the first time we notice these things is, um, you know, what do we do when our, our, our teen or our student becomes depressed, envious or hurt, and, and you're able to at least get the information that it's from something they're seeing, reading or watching, the way people are responding to them or not responding to them. Um, you know, and, and that's also going to take us back to our other questions that we asked in the last episode of, you know, as a parent, should you be monitoring your teen's media accounts? Should you have an account yourself? Is this something that can be beneficial? We, we answered that a little bit in the previous podcast, but we're going to get into more of the practicals on this one um, so that we talk about, you know, is it possible to watch your son or daughter be unhooked from yeah. these things and and then yeah. allow that to play into their identity. Well, and Pastor Matt, my my first question for you is this. How does social media and technology shape a young person's identity? So so we talked about a couple principles in our in our last podcast, but I think the big thing is is that this period of life for a teenager is when they're forming their identity, right? And so they're already in a place where they're desperate to understand who they are because they're they're becoming an adult. They are an adult in some regards, but then they're going, what kind of adult am I? What what am I about? Um, who Who is my community? Who are people around? And so all these things end up playing into um, positive and affirmative responses in yeah. their lives. And so, you know, when they, when they post something up, the way people respond to them matters. If they, um, you know, if they if they communicate with somebody and that person doesn't communicate back, or that person comes back harshly, yeah. all those things are playing into their value and their value system, and so so they're struggling with that. And then they find at that age that it's harder to communicate with their parents about that. Now, some families they have a great communication pattern set up. Sometimes you're trying really, really hard as a parent, and we we recognize that that you are doing everything you can to be as generous, receptive, and listening, but that they just can't communicate it the same way. And part of that's because they've received so much value and affirmation from you as a parent, and to talk about how they're feeling low affirmation or hurt mm. to you is hard yeah, because then good. they feel like they're a disappointment. Yeah. And they feel and so so that's why sometimes if you find that, you know, despite many, 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 many attempts to try to get them to draw it out, sometimes it's good to direct them towards other healthy men and women of God to to do that, to talk about that. And even taking a step back from this whole identity thing, let's look at the whole realm of the world. When when God created the world, he created Start us, with Genesis. Exactly. He created us to be in relationship with him. So that's been our goal. And how we've been designed is to inherently 
be looking for relationship. And so these teenagers from elementary school to to middle school to high school, they're searching for relationship. Yeah. And when you find relationship very easily accessible, like in social media or technology, they're going to go towards that. And unfortunately, a lot of times you end up you end up seeing them not going into the more tougher uh, relationships with their parents or their their siblings or or someone face to face because it's a lot easier to engage in relationship through social media. But a lot of times, words are very crucial to these teenagers, so they're looking for those likes, they're looking for those comments from the person they like or someone that's that they feel like is really cool, right? So they're developing this identity because they're searching for this relationship that God has tried to entrust in us since the beginning, but in reality, um, our true relationship is from what God has given us. And our first relationship should be to God, right? Amen. So that's why this whole identity piece, both Pastor Matt and I are very passionate about because we see these teenagers only thinking their identity is how many likes or comments they get, when in reality, that is not true at all. Yeah. And, and I mean, spiritually, we talk about this at Bridgeway with you know, our identity is supposed to be anchored and tethered to the Father. Yeah. And that's that's where we live life out of. And so exactly. anytime you um, you anchor or tether your identity to anything else or anyone else, that's where that's good as long as that's functioning well. But we're human and things don't function well that long. Yeah. And so – and then especially with teenagers, that they can be up and down because of the, the stage they're in and they can be fickle. They can say some beautiful and kind and generous things at one Absolutely. moment. And then turn and like rip someone's face off with their words. Like a Sour next. Patch Kid. Any of those commercials you see, first they're sour, you know, they cut off your hair and then they hug you. Then they're sweet. That's like a I have not seen that commercial. Now I'm going to go look sour, for it. I'm going to YouTube that. Sweet. And, uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to post it on my social media. You should do that. And so. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but again, like, like Pastor Matt said in the last episode, we can't just always say that social media is inherently evil because it's not. There's plenty of great things about technology and media. And so we want to give you guys some practical tips on how to how to use that use the platform of social media to really benefit and help from it not taking over your lives. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why we kind of gave a, a brief answer in the end of the last episode on, you know, should you monitor your son or daughter's um uh, technology and social media? And the answer is yes, because you have to understand culture in order to influence it. Um, you see that you see that with Jesus and what he did within the Jewish culture, but what he also did within the Gentile culture. He lived um, in Capernaum for a majority of his ministry, which was right along the Via Maris, which was a main road that mm-hmm. brought together the Mesopotamian area, the the Roman Greek Empire, and the Egyptian. And so people were going all along that all the time, and that was a mile outside of Capernaum. And yeah. so things that he taught on, things he did, he, he was relating with the culture, and a lot of studies have done that. Paul shows the same thing. Um, the early church shows the same thing. And so we're supposed to continue to do that. And we have to understand not only our culture generally, but then we have to go, what are what is the culture of my son or daughter? You don't want to settle with them being in a youth culture and them being, oh, they're just going to do their thing and their youth, their teens, they're different. No, we want to be a part of that. We want to listen and we want to receive the wisdom that they may be getting within there. Now, mm-hmm. now is that wisdom true wisdom? That's what you have to be able to see. Yeah. Um, and once you do that, you can then have those deeper conversations that end up with deeper growth. And, exactly. And so so we know that some of the things we're going to share are going to be very practical tips, but, but we hope that you're going to see, as we've been talking about this all together, how this works. Yeah. So the first very practical tip is set media boundaries together. 
And the key word here is together. Um, do things with them like play games or interact with photos. Here's the thing with teenagers is like I said, they, they yearn for a relationship, but also they love experiences and they love to share things with people. So if you both have a, have a social media account or have a phone, play, play a game with them. Um, and enjoy and make memories together because then when you're at dinner and you don't have your phones together, you can be like, oh, remember when that happened earlier? That was so funny. And even that really simple conversation allows you guys to um, grow together. So um, setting media boundaries is crucial to not only the teenager, but also yourself because they can hold you accountable to the boundaries that you guys set. So say you guys only want to spend 30 to 40 minutes on your phones at night when you come home from work. That means your your student, but also you as well. So don't expect to enforce um, this boundary on your student when you're not upholding it to yourself. Because I guarantee you, how teenagers think is if you're not doing it, then they shouldn't have to do it. Yeah, and and part of that's going to help you with the the fighting, the, yeah, the 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 disgruntled aspect. Um, but it's also always good to remind them when you're setting those media boundaries to remind them about the purpose. Of the boundaries, yeah, that's good. Be- because what often will happen is they they don't like the rule, but it's because they the rules just bothering what they want at the moment, and so sometimes you got to take them back to 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 the reason it's even set. Now, yeah. now we Sit do that with, down and yeah, and and we do that with them. a lot of things as yeah. as parents, as as leaders, as teachers. You know, you're doing that all the time, but but there's times when you have to keep bringing them back to that, and that's why you have to go over. Those media boundaries again and again and again. You can't like hold it as this one-time rule, one time, and then like you just throw that at them when you're mad because they're mad, and then you forget about it. You know, so like to repeat it. I, I remember I was at a uh, a parenting seminar that we did in partnership with uh, St. Matthew's Lutheran Church here in Roseville, and there was this lady that came in. I, I forget her name, and she was talking about when it comes to setting these media boundaries. She said before your your middle schooler or even child, when they start talking about wanting a phone, they said one of the best things to do is to kind of, and, and at first it sounded kind of manipulative, but it was kind of going, hey, take the time to work them into understanding that they have to do this with those boundaries and the principles behind those boundaries set. And so what the lady used as an example is when somebody asks, you tell them, no, I don't think you could, I, I, I don't think you could actually handle the rules that we would have. And you make them almost... It, it made the lady, the lady made it wrong. sound like 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 almost kind of go like hey you almost want them to beg that they can follow those rules and that they will be so respect because then you're really letting them control how yeah. they approach the rules and the boundaries that they're doing it from that and they're um, kind of does it seem like they're kind of doing it out of spite uh I. I I don't think that was her intent. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it kind of comes across about. But I think as you have those serious conversations um, about the appropriateness, uh, that's where it happens. But I think that's the, the hardest part is the key part to those media boundaries is conversation. Yeah. And if you're a family that you guys are already so busy that you don't have time to have those conversations, that's already going to set you up for some challenging times with figuring out those boundaries because it takes constant conversation about why there's rules, why you shouldn't be going like, you know, to even talk about why that you should, they shouldn't be YouTubing this, why they shouldn't mm. be communicating in this format, right? Like, so if you're thinking about to use a very specific situation, hey, well, why should I talk to my son or daughter about who they Snapchat with and who their friends are? 
like to go through the reasons. And some of them, they're going to sound crazy to your sons or daughter because they're not thinking of where it can go and the implications because most people aren't thinking in that way, which is why you have to get down to the core yeah. of um, of those pieces. No, that's really good. And the, the other practical piece is learn how to review apps. Um, and this is something that is good because you need to be aware of what these teenagers are on. So if they're on Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, um, a, you know, even a phone game, like what are they, what are they doing? Look it up on the internet. Hey, what does this app do? Understand how to use it because here's what happens is maybe you take their phone one day and they're like, oh, you don't even know what, what I'm on. You don't understand it. And you're like, oh, actually I know that you're, you're about to post because you just went on a fun thing and you want everyone to know that, um, how fun it was and you wish they were there and, you want to create like an envious feeling between your friends or, you know, you, you say something like that and you're like, oh, maybe you do. Uh, the teenagers like maybe you do understand just a little bit about how why I'm using this app or why I'm playing this game or something like that. But also you can uh, going back to setting boundaries. If there's an app that your teenager is using that, you know, is not a very positive app for maybe where they're at right now or maybe they're not old enough then you can be like, okay, we need to wait until you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 before you start using that app, which yeah. Matt, I, you've used that with your son right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking about pieces that you can use and and not use and why, but I think it's just about being, being aware because sometimes as parents, we stick with what we know and we don't want to have to learn more. <laughs> and, and that's, and there's some truth within that. We don't want to have to go through more. But in, in reviewing apps and brushing up on technology, you become equipped to to listen to them and, and dialogue. You can't have those conversations if you don't know what's going on and you don't realize the difference between what they can post in Instagram and then what happens in an Instagram story or what Snapchats can be out there for everyone to check out and what Snapchats are going to a person and then it deletes, right? And, yeah. and then even knowing when they go on to another, another site – um, within stuff. But one of the things that can be overwhelming about that is there can be five or six or seven or 12 different apps that your teens use. Start with just one platform that you learn about. Like tell them to only use one platform or both. Like, so you start learning about only one platform and then you start helping them only focus on one platform. Got and it. that way, okay. that way yeah. they don't, that's they're good. not continuing to have their fingers in so many things because that's often where some of the most risky or troubling things happen is that the parents don't realize that the the kids are engaging on seven or eight different apps. And some of them, they're talking to people that you're not even aware they're talking to. Right. And so I've seen that happen on Pinterest, which I never thought that could be a place. I've seen that happen in um, kick messenger, which was a place for a while that teens would go to, to have texting communications that weren't as trackable as the texts that they get on their actual phones yeah, and, and things like that. And so helping them, Start with just one app, two app, but ones that you're very well aware of and how to check, um, I think is really important. Um, and then, you know, I, I think I'm going to take a step back too, and we can always um, talk about it more. But when you're setting media boundaries, I think another important thing is to make sure that you put the charging stations for devices not in your bedrooms. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's something that as, as an adult, I've had to think about that. But uh, the first thing you, you want to help your students train and develop is that the first thing they do isn't turn over and reach and grab their phone because that's a pattern that happens um, for all of us. Some of you are, again, probably Cliff's nodding his head right now. And I, I think it's, you know, uh, Lucian is as well. And so it's very normal. Um, but that's where like even having that out in the family room or, or in another space is, is a really good idea because that, that helps you, again, 
not make it something that's dominant. Well, so. what I found it, find in my own life is, you know, I wake up every morning and the first thing I do is I, I look at my phone because it's just like instinct. Now, do I have anything to look at? No. Has anyone texted me? No, because no one wants to text me. But I will start texting you at five in the morning. Please start texting me at five in the morning. No, but I, I look at my phone because I want to know what, what I missed in the eight hours that I slept. I want to know what, what You're I missed. You're getting eight hours of sleep? Yeah. You are so lucky. I'm, I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm getting all my sleeps in now. Um, but, you know, I, I want to know what I missed. I want, to, I want to see what happened in the last eight hours, which that is not a positive thing. But if I have my phone in the other room, I would have to actually get up to, to go look at it. And let's be honest, most of us are really lazy in the morning. So that's not going to yeah. happen. And and some of your teens, some of you, you're going to do that. You're going to yeah. get up and go and, and grab it. But that's why it's good to try to, you know, have, again, those type of boundaries, those type of examples are things to think of. They're slight, but they're, but they're helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing, a practical tip is, is have a good answer for the response of that's not fair. <laughs> um, I'm sure most of you parents right now are like, yeah, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that phrase a lot. That's not fair. Um, if you remember our second episode, we talked about the mind of a teenager and this idea that most teenagers are not able to rationally think in the way that we expect them to. So when they say that's not fair, that means it doesn't mean that they're like, oh, I totally understand what you're saying. And I'm saying it's not fair. They're saying, well, that's not what I want. So because it's not what I want, I don't understand. And that's not fair. And if we go go back with the phrase, well, because I said so, it, it life's not fair. That's not going to help the conversation moving yeah. forward. It doesn't help them with the rationalization process and, that they're learning. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said, Pastor Matt, earlier about having giving them a purpose as to why we set these boundaries mm -hmm. or a purpose why we are only on our devices for 40 minutes a night or why we don't have our phones out during dinner. Oh, that's not fair because my friend Billup, that's not a name, but <laughs> my friend Billup, his his family his family lets him do all he wants on his on his phone. That's not fair that I don't get to. Yeah. Well, uh, well, sweetie, you know it's this is why we set these boundaries because we we find value in the face to face conversation rather than being in our our phones all the time. Yeah, and and I think remembering that not all kids are ready for the same things at the same time. Yeah, um, and yeah. especially with technology. Like you're going to hear those things come up because everybody is looking at them at themselves along a comparison yeah. and, and a and a um a whole spectrum of people and they're going well this person gets to do this and this person but sometimes there are people that they are doing it and they can handle it and that's why it's fine for them to do that and then there's others it's the same thing with when you have a 15 year old that wants to watch this TV show but you have a seven year old that wants to watch that as well, but they're not ready. It has to do with discretion yeah. that's being developed and grown. And as again, when you're going back to those purposes of why you have rules, you're, you're not trying to argue with them on, well, this is my rule, or you know, you just don't think it's equal with the other person, but trying to help them understand, hey, like it's about trying to be careful and cautious and make good choices and know what's a struggle for you and what's not. Yeah. And we could have a whole entire another episode on this idea of comparison to other families and what other parents do. Because you, I'm sure most of you have had your teenager come in to your home and you're like, oh, my friend's parents um, told them that he can do this. Why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. But I want to tell you, parents, trust your instincts. What works for your teen, you know your teenager better than anybody. You, you know him or her better than Pastor Matt and I do. So mm -hmm. your instincts on what boundaries you set are true. So stay true to your instincts. Don't feel like you're a bad parent because you're not letting your teenager on a certain device or a certain social media because what you have decided for their life is 
is important. And I believe that you love them enough to to give them the appropriate amount of boundaries. So trust, trust your instincts. It's so, we believe in you. I believe in you. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Yeah. I, I would, I would amplify that by saying if you're, if you're unsure because you feel uninformed about something, that's where it, you have to recognize that, that one of the reasons that church, church exists is to be partners with you exactly in this. And one of the reasons that the youth ministry exists is not to create a youth sphere alone yeah. for your students to go to so that they get faith in their cultural milieu. It's for us to partner with you and, and give input to sometimes share wisdom. We need your wisdom as well. As youth leaders and youth volunteers, we need you to give us wisdom sometimes on what's going on with your specific child that you know the best. Yeah, and then we can also give what we've seen because sometimes they function differently in, in their social context than at home, and we yeah. want to show you what they're capable of. Yeah, and so and sometimes you're going to show us what they're capable of, and yeah. so so so, so go with that instinct, but then include others in the dialogue and the and the conversation. Um, the number four piece that we want to give you is that uh, it, it's just a good reminder is that most teenagers aren't addicted to media; they're obsessed with each other. And that's always how it's been. So true. With teens is yep. they're so true. They're seeking community. They're seeking connection, like you were talking about, and companionship. And uh, and because of that, they're trying to find it. And this is just the new way that they that they kind of access it. And so again, it's the medium. And so don't don't get so caught up on the medium. Sometimes go back to the man. They're looking for companionship. They're looking for connection. Am I helping them as a parent get that? And don't assume it. I think one of the things that I've seen a lot of parents do is assume that their kids will naturally make a social connection in school, sports, youth group. So are you saying that you these parents need to set up play dates with their teenager and mm, other teenagers? No. But uh, <laughs> but, to, but to not assume that that's happening, happening in a healthy way. That's something that you want to be – and we're going to get to this more in another, in another podcast. But you want to be praying – for your sons and daughters' friendships yeah. and, their, and their connection. If yeah. you haven't done that yet as a parent, start doing it. Yeah. Start praying that they would have connections with other, you know, if they're guys, guys, if they're girls, girls, that are going to be people that are going to grow them, that they find that they're thriving and they're fulfilled in their connections. Because when that happens, you see people not having to run on and get 150 people to very surface-wise give a response to the person in order to have value because yeah. they have those two or three or five close friends or they have that connection or that community at church or at school or in sports that bond them well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's well, well put. And the, and the last, last kind of practical tip is, is reminding, and this is probably, probably one of the toughest ones is reminding the teenager that likes aren't everything. Now I know most of you are like, oh yeah, I've done that before. I've told, I've told them that how many likes they get is not that great. I mean, cause even Instagram, there's a lot of people, if they don't get enough likes, they take down the post because apparently it's not good enough. Um, but like we've talked about so many times on this episode, people the, really do that. Yep. People yeah, really do that. I, I've never done that. Yeah. So. I've never done that either. I've, I've done like, it because I've made a mistake, but yeah. <laughs> I've gotten like two likes before and I've been like, I'm still confident. Not really. Um, but you know, likes are, are everything in our culture today. So if we remind our teenagers, Hey, it's, it's not all about the likes that would be really helpful. But I know most of us are going to get the response of, Oh mom, dad, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to, to have likes and what it makes you feel. And that kind of dopamine effect that they don't even know what that word means, but um, <laughs> the dopamine effect that they get when they have, you know, 200 likes or 200 plus likes. 
is way higher than when they get 50 likes. So if they don't get that many likes, they're like, oh man, I'm not as a cool of a person. Yeah. And, but, but how you do that, I guess, is going to be the hard yeah, question. Yeah, that was a nice I, piece. I think, yeah. I think a lot of parents and, and, and we, we, we struggle with, how do you show somebody value and affirmation without having to engage? And then there's this always funny piece of, as a parent, do you like, if you're on the same social media platform, do you like your son or daughter's post? Because some kids won't, won't, don't like that. Yeah. And then other times, your son or daughter might go to your phone, go onto your Instagram and, and like, like their own things so yeah. that they can – so, so it's, again, I think this is where the conversation piece always becomes core. You have to go back and tell them, hey, like, how much do you want me to engage with what you post or what you communicate? Um, do you want me to as a parent or not? You know, and then, and then, hey, if if I'm finding that you're, you have a very low demeanor after posting something because you're not getting the response you want, I want to talk about what you post, why you post, and and to use that as a platform to have a conversation and uh, and so you're you're trying to facilitate and intervene with conversation at the right time in the right place. Yeah. Um, and then and then I think that's where you're able to then lead into other practices where you're able to help them put the phones down, unhook them, um, get away. You know, where it's like if you have your son or daughter having friends or um, you know people coming over um, to tell them, hey, we're glad you're here and you're hanging out at our house for the next hour. It's a no phone time. Everyone go put their phones on the counter. And engage with one another, connect. And, you know, some of them might look at you like you're crazy, you know, but um, but well, m- maybe even reward them. Go, hey, I'll, I'm going to go get ice cream for all of you guys if you can put your phones down for an hour. Like, that's positive reinforcement, right? Sometimes people go, oh, I don't want to bribe them. I go, no, sometimes that's showing them that they can unhook and have a really rich time together. But also another piece on that, too, is maybe during the day you can even connect with them on, on social media, too, you know, in a positive way. Because, again, we don't need to use and say social media is, you know, a terrible thing. But we can be like, hey, I'm going to enhance my relationship with my son or daughter by using social media. And I've said it in a previous podcast that it might be the best thing to have a social media account yourself so that you can see what your son or daughter is doing. But, uh, Pastor Matt, what is kind of this last piece that we need to remember about social media and and what it does to kind of our, our hearts. Yeah. And because a lot of media is done in private, right? A lot of it is somebody by themselves posting something or, or looking at stuff. There's very few people outside of family or roommates that know about the, the content or the quality of our TV, internet, phone, media, tech usage. And, and just that reality makes you have to go, okay, for yourself as an adult – does anyone else even know other than me how much I'm on? Yeah. And then now you transfer that to parenting and you go, how do I not allow my usage and my my quantity or content remain secretive? How do I help my son or daughter, my teen, not allow it to be something that's just done as this private thing? How do you make it something that's communal? How do you make it something that you can teach and share and model transparency as well as, as accountability. And so this is where like one thing we used to encourage students on when we've talked about tech and media is does anyone know what I watch or how much I'm on? And, and, and it's almost a good practice just to do for a day to take either what your phone tracks or for yourself to go, hey, this is what I looked at today. This is what I watched and talk about it. Have your son or daughter talk about it. You show them what you looked at today, yeah. what you were engaging with. Yeah. Um, have I invited anyone? Good way to connect to ask about my usage. And that's where you might end up telling your teen, hey, it's not that you have to tell me as your parent, 
but is there someone, another friend or a youth leader at church or someone that you're able to talk about, hey, I was on my phone for six hours today on YouTube. Ugh. You know? <laughs> and so That's a lot. And, and then, you know, that that person is able to engage. And so um, a couple resources, though, um, you know, that I, one one resource that I think I, I found that to be a really helpful one is uh, there's one that's called Every Parent's Guide to Navigating Our Digital World. It's put on by Fuller Youth Institute, and it's a great little thin resource that that gives you some more tips about all this. And then uh, and then there's another one that um, is called the the Three Ds of of Media for Teens, and uh, so both of those are worth looking at. And uh, and so you know I, again. Just like a lot of areas in life, um, teens are learning how to exercise control, discipline, moderation on everything they do. And so technology and media is just one of many of those areas, but it's newer for all of us in our world. So so it's it's a new learning stage. And so that's why the conversation, these type of things are helpful for us, for yeah, you, for totally. them. Yeah, and here's the thing. Um, over the past couple of episodes, you've probably been thinking a lot about what we're talking about. And we really encourage you to take what you've been stirring on in your in your heart and mind right now, and go talk to your 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 spouse, go talk to your family, go talk to your your teenagers and your kids about what you're what you're thinking about, and figure out ways for you as as a family to implicate uh, what we've been talking about. Because healthy boundaries are going to help you grow in your relationship with your teenager or your son and, and daughter. And we really believe um, believe that very hardcore that conversation is what makes breakthrough. So thank you for listening to this episode of Engaging Parenting. We're so excited to, to bring you more resources upcoming. Uh, also, we're in March, which means that uh, here at the church and HSM, our high school ministry, we have started March Madness, which is a huge month-long competition. There's games, there's, there's prizes. We would love to see your teenager there. Well, thank you for listening to another episode on engaging parenting. If you have any other questions, please email us at ask at bridgeway.church with the tagline engaging parenting. And we look forward to discussing more what it looks like to parent our teens in our culture today. Well, stay tuned to the next episode of engaging parenting. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.